0: You are listening to the CX Americas Desk to Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Marie. From my desk to yours, we're building bridges across Cisco and across CX Americas. Join me as we strengthen proximity, amplify voices, and have a great time. Grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and let's get into it. Did you know that studies have shown that diverse cross-cultural teams are more innovative and perform better than homogenous teams? A McKinsey report found that companies in the top quartile for cultural and ethnic diversity are more likely to have financial returns above their national industry medians. Jason McLaurin, a VP here in Cisco's CX Americas, is a leader who knows this truth well. Throughout his career, Jason has seen how having a diverse team allows for a broader range of perspectives and ideas, leading to more innovative solutions. Today, Jason is joining us to share his experiences building, supporting, and working with diverse teams, and how broader perspectives can help to promote cultural understanding and acceptance, creating a more inclusive and welcoming workplace. All right, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today here on the podcast. As we get ourselves kicked off, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How long have you been a Cisconian? and what has that journey been like for you?
1: Yeah, Marie, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And uh, my journey through Cisco has been longer and really taken a vastly different path than I expected. When I joined Cisco, I, I plan on staying about two years and over 23 years later, I'm still here and uh, i spent roughly half my cisco career in sales half in services and in what's now called cx but i spent quite a bit of time in my career outside the us for cisco i spent four years based in london eight years based in singapore across two different tours there and three years in japan just recently so about 15 years of my 23 years in cisco has been overseas so really living in different cultures managing teams of people different from me, and working with people who don't speak the language I speak. My journey has really shaped not only how I integrate into multicultural teams, but how I work back here in corporate America.
0: Yeah, well, we're very lucky to have you, and we're glad that uh, you're here and and sharing with us on the podcast today. So I'm going to... um with talking about all the places that Cisco has taken you around the world, I'm going to throw you a heavy hitter here right at the beginning. How can we foster a workplace culture that celebrates those differences and encourages collaboration with team members of different backgrounds? You don't speak the same language. You're not from the same place in the world. Um, How can we collaborate?
1: Yeah, it's a, Challenging question. Any time you have to manage culture and try to adapt culture and foster culture is very difficult. It's it's a not only with with in multicultural teams, but any time in even corporate America. But let me address the question by sharing a story. It's a bit of an embarrassing story, but it's it kind of taught me a lesson that's lesson that's helped me and crafted me through these last you know fifteen years or so. When I first moved to Europe. I thought I'd been brought there because I had knowledge that the local teams did not have. I was overly confident and honestly a bit arrogant, and one of, my, one of my first trips was visiting a customer in Germany, and my approach with that customer was to share my knowledge, and I spent the first 10 minutes doing just that. After 10 minutes, I could see that I could see that they were not engaged, but I pushed on. After another 10 minutes, one of them asked me, why was I telling them this? It wasn't relevant to the current situation, nor was it worth their time to sit through. And I basically completely failed at that point. And my being there was, was a, a complete failure because I had focused on demonstrating how smart I was rather than truly understanding their situations and their needs and their cultural requirements. And so while I had failed with that customer, I learned a very valuable lesson that mm-hmm. day. It still shaped me going forward. And it approached my approach over the next 23 years has, has shaped me then. So understanding and engaging different cultures and different perspectives, really the different perspectives, being able to step in someone else's shoes is mm-hmm. a foundation to success. So back to your question about what can we do? And really for me, the most critical thing. For me, is to genuinely believe that cultural understanding is a business and human human imperative. And when I say genuine, is because it's not something you do because it's on your mission, on your company's mission statement. It's something that you in, in your heart and your soul believe, and you want to celebrate those those teams. And that's what this Germany customer, this German customer taught me is get proximate with other cultures, experience firsthand the extraordinary innovation of. For example, our teams in India or get involved in our teams in Europe where they where they seamlessly weave together 10 different cultures and languages into one single team. Um, Or simply talk to your coworker next to you. And if they have a different background, understand their background. So that proximate learning that you gain is extremely powerful.
0: I love I like how you talked about the need to be genuine and and how it needs to come from the heart cuz you could have just carried on in the same manner with the meeting with the german customers and and just held the status quo but that's not where some of that magic happens right with our customers and and so i i love that thank you for sharing that um, so along those lines what steps can we take to ensure that everyone's unique perspectives, those unique cultural um, perspectives and backgrounds and experiences are valued and taken into consideration in the decision making process.
1: It's an interesting question. And I, I think you throw out a few keywords like, like valued in and process and decision making. And I'll I'll throw out a few ideas and simple tools. Um, and of course, there are many books written and things you can read. But I'll, for me, it's it's I try to keep it simple because simple is something you can do every day. Um, so maybe it's just three three quick things. One is you make space and create opportunities for everyone to be heard in meetings. And <laughs> I laugh because this is should be relatively simple and easy because it's something you can do by not doing something. Mm. Meaning you create space by talking less or not talking at all. So you allow others to speak and be heard. And so uh, sometimes that's a challenge for Cisco execs to not speak, but try it and and make space and you'll you'll get the rewards of that. Uh, But very important, though, is not only create space, but go beyond that into create belonging. And um, kind of the adage of you have a seat at the table, you're here around me, but I want to hear what you have to say as well. And the combination of that is, is very powerful. And I often think of um a quote by a woman named Verna Myers and said it very eloquently. She said, diversity is being invited to the party, inclusion is being asked to dance. One thing you can do is is dance with all the cultures that are around you and en- engage in that that celebration with them and make space, be inclusive and, and, and dance. That's that's one. Uh two is publicly give credit to individuals for their ideas and their, and their work. And I think you said you value, is acknowledge and appreciate the value that they're providing you. And we should be doing this across the board, whether you're in the US with a single cultural team or whether you're outside of the US with a multicultural team, but you know, celebrate, that, that, celebrate when you bring ideas in and there's value that you receive. But pay particular attention to people who are different than you Are typically do not contribute. And when they do, you know, celebrate that. Of course, people who feel valued, again, back to your word, are more likely to continue to contribute. And then last thing I'll say is is around simply asking questions. And asking questions is a very simple but extremely powerful and underutilized tool for bringing forward new ideas and bringing teams together. And I think we just, again, we get caught up in talking Like I said, the first point and not making space and asking questions and the, the old adage, I'm sure you've all heard of it is questions unite answers. Divide is, I think it's very accurate for this person use questions to bring people together and bring out opinions and bring out and share different perspectives. And as you go through these, this process and find your own tips and tricks and, and tools, it will be uncomfortable. It will require self-reflection and we will make mistakes like I did. And that's that's what learning is all about. You do what you can. You learn, you improve, and then you, you do better next time.
0: It sounds like that this is a, a kind of culture, a kind of perspective that can't just be created by one person. It, it is. It takes the team all, like you said, working together, questioning together and and moving towards common goals. Together with that mindset of we're all here to learn from everyone's perspectives, and I think that's really powerful.
1: And once once you get that unified perspective, it's mm-hmm. actually quite enjoyable. It becomes you know maybe trite to say it's a family. It, it becomes yeah. a, a very powerful um, team to go forward. So
0: absolutely, and I know that that's that's not an easy culture to foster, and that's not the reality for. Um, some teams, and so if, when you have been in those situations where maybe that's not the shared team perspectives, what challenges have you seen arise in teams where maybe there's a lack of diversity or um, a lack of acceptance of different perspectives, and and how do you address those challenges?
1: It's it's a great question, and it's kind of ironic. And I'll share again. I'll share another. I'll share another story. My entire 15-year overseas journey started with a diversity problem. Again, that's that's the irony of I became more culturally diverse and aware because of a diversity problem. And soon after starting in Cisco, I, within like literally the first month, I asked my VP, you know, how are we working with our European customers and our counterparts over there over in Europe? And the answer was rather dismissive. Honestly, is you know, why work with them? They're doing some crazy stuff over there. I don't know what. And literally that's what the, that was the feedback I have. and that was not a very satisfactory answer. Um, but the good thing is he gave me permission to explore it myself. And so within literally a few months of, of joining Cisco, I was on a flight and I spent you know a week in Italy and in London. And my first day there. I spent learning, asking questions, listening, and really understanding what we could do to make a product that is relevant to their market. A great. I mean, just great busy day. You, you fly in, you're jet lagged, and you land within a few hours later, you're in the office and you're jet lagged. But you're learning all this and meeting people around these different cultures, Italians, Germans, you know, English, of course. And at the end of the day, the VP comes to me and, and he says, Jason you know, you need to understand that what you're building in the U.S. is a very, very small part of how we're engaging customers. We're building solutions. We're working with partners. We're delivering business value. And he said, he went on ad, he said, you know what? Forget the U.S. teams. Just come join us here. Forget the U.S. Come here and help us sell this. And, you know, 23 years later and six international moves later, here I am because of that first day there and because of that initial problem that I wanted to solve for myself is around the lack of knowledge of what my European teams and customers were doing. And and so, like back to your your question of, of how do you address the challenges is um or what are the challenges are and then how do you address them, is like I had, you have incorrect or incomplete understanding of local markets. In my case, I had almost no understanding of local markets and I gained that by being overseas. Um, Or you're solving the wrong problem or only part of the problem. Again, what we're doing um, in the U S at the time, Um, or sometimes you're taking too long to get to an answer or a product. And you're sometimes missing a market window in, in that process. And, so you can solve them, you know, like I did, which is you leave your country for 10 to 15 years, or you can take something a bit less disruptive options. Like I mentioned previously, you're getting proximate, engaging, and asking questions.
0: It it sounds like that doesn't come without intentionality and it come, it's purposeful. It doesn't happen by accident to you know, bring some of these new perspectives in or bring some of these new cultures, ideas, and um, practices into play. It sounds like it takes a lot of uh, intentional time and, um, and effort.
1: It's something, uh, It's um, you have to be very thoughtful. And like I said before, go into it know, knowing you will make mistakes and you take a step into the unknown because you're there to learn. So obviously it's going to be unknown. And if you have that intention and confidence in yourself to take that step, it can be a very rewarding step to take. Intentionality and thoughtfulness is, is a key part of this.
0: So as a leader here at Cisco, you are actively building teams and supporting teams. How can we actively bring those voices to the table? How can we recruit and retain employees and bring those voices to um, ultimately to our customers and to our products from a variety of backgrounds? How can we, how do we do that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a very timely question. I mean, it's it's very topical today as we're all challenged and struggling to get the right talent in our teams and building solutions and offers that serve the world. And so for, for me, hiring and retaining culturally diverse teams starts with having a diverse team. So, of course, this is a catch-22. How do you start when you don't have something to start with? So start where you can. And, and uh, I, I think about if you ever heard an, another adage about planting trees. You can, trees take a long time to cheer and grow and, 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 and develop into the beautiful things they are. So the topic or quarter on a tree is you know, the best time to plant a tree was last year. The next best time is today. And so for me, it's the same with building diverse teams. The best time to start building the multicultural diverse team was years ago. And the next best time is now. So start where you can hire one person, start building that culture of inclusivity um, and belonging, and then it will start to attract more. Um, so a few other tips and tricks along this is how to start is topics like workplace environment and career advancement are key, whether it's a, a U.S., uh, individual or or individual anywhere else in the world those topics are are paramount and so they both play a key role in attracting and retaining talent so focus on how do you remove toxicity and build a a, a encouraging and belonging and supportive workplace environment and in general just create an environment of inclusion belonging and as you hire that first person and build that brand that your a culture diverse, manager, you start attracting more and more talent, and then they'll snowball, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, so I know that we might have some listeners who are just looking for the bottom line business answer with this question. Is it worth it? Is this benefiting our customers? Is it benefiting our bottom line, the dollars and cents here in the company? Or is it a benefit to have culturally diverse teams or different perspectives on the team, does it help the overall performance of the company at all?
1: Right. You know, this is the this is the bottom line question, so thanks for going there. I think it's, for me, it's become a business imperative. And again, when I started, I, I talked about the business and moral imperative, but it, it, for this question, it's really the business imperative. Well, my, one of my favorite quotes I, I heard when I was in my journeys, and this was in Singapore, from a business professor is, Multinational companies see the world as a source of profit. Truly global companies see the world as a source of innovation. It takes a second to kind of parse through that, but let me kind of talk through it. There are many successful companies that have sales offices around the world, local sales team, and the selling products that were designed with limited local insights, and they're successful. They make money, and and they do business, and they grow. And so, yes, you can survive. Without being culturally diverse, but they these companies see the world as a customer or or market. Other companies, and the ones that I argue are more successful, they tap into the innovation and product strategies that are generated outside their home country. And this and so that's this, this again seeing the world as a source of innovation, not just money, but innovation. And that's even that's a better, that's a more strong as a stronger currency than profit. And this aligns allows them to align to local markets and rapidly changing dynamics um, so they can build products that are attuned to local uh, cultures local timing uh, local requirements etc and then very importantly they keep those profits in the local countries in order to hire and develop more local talent again back to this you know, how do you hire retain talent is keep the talent keep the profits there foster innovation, develop innovation, and reinvest the talent there or reinvest the money there. Um, So Cisco and some of the most successful and innovative companies in the world operate in this model where they have not just sales centers around the world, they have innovation centers around the world. And they keep that some of the profits of those innovation centers in those innovation centers and they build and grow them. So in addition to being the positive upward cycle of innovation and revenue, these culturally diverse teams become magnets and models for other diverse teams. So yes, in my view, there's tremendous business value, investing in diversity and local talent and and starting your journey, if you haven't already, down this road of of cultural understanding and awareness.
0: Our bottom line is that it is worth it and it does pay off, even though it takes effort, it takes time, takes that thoughtful intentionality like we were mentioning earlier, but it is worth it. So thank you for sharing that. So before we wrap up today with six international moves, being all around the globe, have you brought home with you or back to the States with you? Have you brought home any new comfort dishes or comfort foods? What is it that you reach for or um, that you've brought back with you from your experiences around the world?
1: It's... (laughs) I, I, I hesitate because yes, there are many <laughs> I, I brought back, from, but uh, and and I some of them I have around me and I look at every day and they they bring me warmth, be- including things that are on my desk. Um, but I think a comfort food will be one that probably doesn't come to mind easily, um, and that's sushi. And I've and something about me that <laughs> seems strange. I've been vegetarian for ten years, and so I was vegetarian and i've been vegetarian up until i moved to japan and it's very difficult to get you know true vegetarian food in japan they if you want vegetarian they'll cook it you know ramen with beef with pork and they'll take the pork out and say here's your vegetarian ramen and not true so i i started eating sushi in, in japan because one it's amazingly good uh, and two i just wanted to be sure what i was out eating and um and it was just uh, amazingly you can buy sushi at a 7-eleven and it's better than probably some of the best restaurants in in the U.S. Uh, so, so that's become a, a comfort food for me is whenever I want to feel like I'm back in Japan or feel like I'm, you know, a bit more aware, I, I order some sushi, even though I'm vegetarian. I, it's my, my one vice outside of vegetarian.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I don't know if I would trust 7-Eleven sushi stateside, but...
1: I would not do that. No, don't, don't take away from, that. from this conversation. Don't do it. Don't go there.
0: So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for joining us today on the podcast, Jason. Really appreciate your insights and your commitment to building uh, teams with diverse backgrounds and diverse perspectives. So thank you for sharing your experience with us today.
1: Thanks for the conversation. It was great to be here. I love it.
0: That was Jason McLaurin, a vice president in Cisco's CX Americas, sharing his experiences on assignments around the globe and how embracing diverse teams leads to better business and culture outcomes. Thank you for listening to the CX Americas Desk to Desk podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's program. Tune in next time as we continue to build bridges and create meaningful connection. From my desk to yours, I hope to see you back soon.